Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, here today with Vicki and Kim, and we're going to talk about groups of people. Because that's an important thing. We're not supposed to be all by our lonesome. And our homeschool kids are not actually supposed to grow up chained to a desk in the corner of a dark room somewhere with only an algebra book as their companion. And mom brings a sandwich to them once a day. (laughs) And they wear their pajamas all the time. Well, the pajama part might be happening, and that's okay. We're not going to judge you. Oh, we might even encourage you. We might. (laughs) And the other part in the living room. Uh huh. With yeah, all, all yeah. those all those other lonely, isolated parts, not so much the real life homeschool experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. But what's interesting is, although we have lots of opportunities, typically, in mm-hmm. today's homeschool world, for our kids to be in um, small co-ops in homes and large co-ops in churches and duly enrolled and taking college classes yep. while they're in high school, mm-hmm. all of these different settings are available that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a natural, easy thing for our kids right. to be a part of. So that's what we're going to talk about today, is ways yeah. to mm-hmm. strengthen that um, yeah. skill set. Because introvert kids, going from the comfort of home into a group setting, whether it's co-op or a dual enrollment class at college, is a big change. But to an mm. extrovert kid who's used to running the show, going from, I ran the show at home, to co-op classes or especially a dual enrollment class, mm-hmm. it's a whole different set of norms. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was about to sing the Aladdin song. A whole new world. <laughs> okay, never mind. I just got that. That was it. We started the same thing and everything. <laughs> That's amazing. There was no rehearsal there, folks. That, that was amazing. spontaneous. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about maybe um, introvert kids first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you take an introvert kid and you stick them in a room with, let's let's start with a co-op. They're in a room mm-hmm. with maybe eight other kids, similar mm-hmm. ages, that they don't know very well. Mm-hmm. And it's a subject that they've not done with a group before. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that tend to create obstacles for introverts in that situation? I mean, there's basic shyness, but... yeah. There's also, I have observed a lot of introverts in that situation um, want to know what the rules are and want to be sure that they don't Mm -hmm. violate any of those rules, only typically those rules are not posted because they're not the kind of rules that you post. That is a really good point. It's really nice when co-ops do have, if they have rules, that they not be secret rules that you find out by Mm. violating them. Mm. Um, But they all have cultural norms that aren't written down. And one of the things that helps an introvert kid is to let them know that they can watch for a minute before they join in. Mm. So if they enter a room with their shoulders back and their chin up just a little bit and a Mona Lisa smile, little bit of a smile, (laughs) and just scan the territory and watch and find where there's an open seat or who's talking to who and just stand there and watch, then you can kind of teach them just to ease it just watch and just stand on the outside and it's okay to be quiet at first by the end of the day if they've got a smile on their face somebody will be talking to them good one Mm, mm. good one so you don't have to cannonball into the cold water you can dip your toes in and you Mm -hmm. can work your way in slowly yeah and Mm -hmm. it's okay to take time and it's okay to be quiet good Mm -hmm. 
All right, now let's go from that it's okay to be quiet to what about, say, a book discussion group for a literature yeah. co-op? <laughs> then suddenly it's not okay to just be quiet. Right. Because probably part of the purpose for you being in this group is to practice class discussion skills. Right. And, you know, you've got, Sabrina, so much time with literature and you have mm, to do yeah. discussions with literature. And Kim That's has... the most fun part anyway. Mm. Yeah, if you're yeah, the teacher you of the to. class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Kim does Spanish yeah. and other languages. Where conversation is kind of Useful. Yeah. 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 So what are the tools you guys have used yeah. to draw the introverts in? One of our favorite things is we came up with a silly little thing of poker chips. Ah, yes. And we would give our classes, I still do this now, we give our classes, each student gets three chips at the beginning of the class. And so it's it's a, a tool actually for extroverts as well as the introverts to teach them balance. Ah. And to say, here's the expectation. I expect you to speak up three times during class today. Mm-hmm. If everyone has already used all their chips, then if you're quiet and you don't feel like talking anymore, you're off the hook. You can sit back and relax and listen and pay attention and chime in when you want. And also for the extroverts, it helps keep them from kind of taking over the class mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so that the introverts don't even have an opening. There's that, never that it's pause. so hard on a group dynamic for someone to just run the show and not mm-hmm. make space for the other students. Yeah, yeah. I know another thing that um, that I have found to be helpful is this is not so much an introvert thing, it's a slow talker thing. Mm. Some kids are not shy or introverts particularly. They just take a moment to form their words. And um, I, when I facilitate group discussions, I'm scanning the room with my eyes constantly, looking for that kid who is drawing in breath, but hasn't like formed the first word yet. <laughs> and so they keep getting talked over. Yeah. yeah. Not because they're afraid to speak up, but because they either are super polite mm-hmm. or they're just slow talkers. Yeah. There are people mm-hmm. who are slower talkers and that's okay i'm not one of them obviously but (laughs) they exist exist. um so yeah so the facilitator can very politely and kindly put a hand up when a kid starts to speak and say oh hang on just a second johnny i've seen you draw in breath three times now you have something you want to say that Mm -hmm. everybody johnny has floor johnny's going to be brilliant i do that all the time too Mm -hmm. johnny's about to be brilliant everybody listen Mm -hmm. you know and everybody giggles and you know but it helps the slow talkers find their space. Yes. So yeah. the facilitators can use tools like the chips. And what did the students just hand you back the chip when they talk? Or yeah, actually, it gets a little raucous at times. I've had to <laughs> rain rain things in a little bit. Yeah, they the the uh, less um, some of the kids like to just kind of hand them in, yeah. and others like to kind of we've we've set up a popcorn bucket that looked like a basketball hoop and so they could <laughs> toss them in. So for kids who are not as interested in speaking but who really like to play basketball, they sometimes speak up Extra a little more. Incentive. It's an incentive, <laughs> right? And the other kids who don't want to have the pressure of having to make it in, they can just hand them in. That um, is such a Kim thing. That I, mean, I can just see your your class. Well, yeah. Them. Sometimes I have to tone them down, especially if I'm going to be away and somebody else. <laughs> in my room, um, and we've just written their initials on the chips. Uh. So, and then I have TAs that help me because I'm not good at that kind of stuff. And so, when they ha- they have to hand in all their chips, mm. and if they hand in all their chips, they get all three of their participation checks for the day. It helps the the 
class participation part yeah. of assigning grades. Yeah, because I often felt like I I felt like I was pretty good at doing it, but I knew I was being subjective. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. I thought this is a really good way to objectify it, not only for me but also mm-hmm. for the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that some like I'm kind of opposed to the raising hand thing in general. I'd rather not do that. But the bigger the group gets, I do sometimes have them raise their hands because it does help them give Johnny a chance mm-hmm. to speak if Johnny's mm-hmm. about to be brilliant. Because I can I can do that same thing. Like you can scan the room and you can it mm-hmm. helps the ones who are inclined to just not like me or anything, but just <laughs> jump and start speaking and then figure out what it was they were gonna say. All right, um, so what if they're in a co-op class or especially in a college class? Like college professors usually are not worried about classroom dynamics. Mm-hmm. And so they just expect you to come in there and operate with class participation Be skill. Prepared. What are some things that y'all would coach the kids to do so that they actually participate? I think one of the things is to to find out how you uniquely stay engaged in Mm -hmm. um, either a lecture or a classroom discussion. Some people need to make sure that they're looking around and making eye contact with other people in the room if a discussion is going on. Mm -hmm. They stay much more on whatever the topic is at that moment. Because during a class discussion, the topic Mm -hmm. shifts. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be hard to... You have something kind of brilliant to say, but you feel like maybe the tide has kind of turned and the conversation's not going that way anymore, and now you're mm-hmm. afraid to say it. And But if you see people's faces, you get a better feel for Now, this is still kind of a free-for-all. I could still throw this in there. But mm-hmm. You can kind of tell whether it's gotten super intensely focused in one place or not. Um, uh, people like me, you need to be taking notes, and that's not... You need to be taking notes, young man. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not that rigid thing. It's That's how I stay engaged mm-hmm. in a meeting. Mm-hmm. I frequently, when I'm in business meetings, take notes, even if I'm not the person who's assigned to take the minutes, mm-hmm. because that's how I stay in the groove of what I'm trying to learn and what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, that... that is so interesting because one of my memories all the years of co-ops and and the our group classes where we have planning meetings serena was always there with the yellow always like she she was never the secretary she was just always taking notes (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it's how my brain works Yeah. yeah and i have never been able to ooh wait this is embarrassing i'm a podcaster who publishes ebook curriculum but i'm gonna say it I have never been able to make the shift to electronic note-taking. It doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Mm-hmm. My brain needs my hand to move with yeah. a pencil or a pen on a piece mm-hmm. of paper. And, um, yeah. I'm so, so glad you said that because you pointed that out to me as well. And it was so true. And I've pointed it out to a lot of my students now because you've pointed that out to me. Um, cool. And and I think you have shared. Wow, this is like a great trio here. Um, and <laughs> it's all for each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think Vicky has shared with us about the neural the neural pathways that mm-hmm. you're creating when you're trying to learn something. Mm-hmm. And you know we are so electronic that we're on our phone. We're you know using a keyboard. And yes, your brain might know that that's where the K is and that's where the D is and all on your keyboard. But it's very different what happens with your brain when you're typing notes than when you're actually writing them. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I just my husband the other day we were in church and I was 
wanting to remember something the pastor was saying, and I actually was writing it like this in just in the air. Uh. And I think he was kind of looking at me like, are you like, okay, should I go call somebody for help or what? And I'm like, no, because I remembered, and I even remember somebody um, teaching me that if you um, use your whole arm to write something. Now, you probably don't want to do this in a college discussion class. <laughs> But because then yeah, they really will not. call someone to come check you <laughs> Home out. Homeschoolers quite the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't quite figured out what they're taking. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> well, you know. But but anyway, but back to back to the. But point they have I'm... really toned triceps. <laughs> It's how we double log PE and right. it all That's at the same right. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, but I but I do. I found that that writing helps. Now I'm not as much of a note taker because what I found is if I get too busy taking notes, I miss what's being said next because I'm not a particularly quick writer and whatever. But I can jot down some important words. I've even had students who I initially thought were being kind of disrespectful because they had these beautiful, elaborate drawings all over their papers. Mm. But I found that actually, like, like me, better. yeah, they're a little ADD, and that really helped them concentrate. Yeah, yeah The way yeah. I got through all of college, even grad school, was scribbling on my paper. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had, you know, words here and there, quotes, you know, the teacher. But mostly there were scribbles just to keep, like, if there was enough fidgeting going on, I could focus. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, early early day fidget spinner was, yeah. uh, was a paper and a pencil, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> Now, I'm going to throw one specific thing out there that is a challenge, I think, for some homeschoolers who are taking a college class or Mm. once homeschoolers graduate and go to college Mm -hmm. and take Mm -hmm. their first college class. Understanding the difference between a lecture and um, a teacher who's explaining something to you Mm because there's a difference. Mm. And if you've grown up with a lot of one-on-one instruction opportunities or even small groups in co-op settings... And now you're in even a 25-student classroom, not even a 300-person lecture hall. Um, Understanding that, no, sometimes in college, the teacher doesn't want anybody else to talk. Mm -hmm. And you just have to find ways to learn and focus. And please don't raise your hand unless there's a screaming absolutely necessary reason for stopping the professor. That is such an important mm-hmm. life skill that kids can carry into Bible study settings mm-hmm. or training classes in the trades or college set like yeah. or, or a board meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like there's a time to ask questions, jot your questions down yeah. and ask those at the end of a lecture. Yeah. But mm. it's rude to interrupt the teacher. Oh, it yeah. interrupts their flow, but also it interrupts the other students concentration yes Mm -hmm. Yes. and the third thing and this this happens from a very a good a place of good intentions Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. but some kids not so much introverts but Mm -hmm. um some kids like to challenge a teacher oh my Mm -hmm. yes and um that's a really good way to ruin your professor's opinion of you right Mm -hmm. at the beginning of a semester Mm -hmm. most higher education instructors Mm -hmm. Do not want to be publicly challenged unless they have signed up to engage in a debate yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's their classroom, it's their classroom. And there's, there's a different kind of authority 
mm-hmm. in a college classroom. And um, if you want to challenge them, you can go to their office hours later, and you yeah. can push all the buttons you want to push, and probably that professor is going to love you Maybe. because they're going to tell you really well if you <laughs> yeah. do it respectfully. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, because it's showing that you're truly engaged mm. in the subject matter, but do not call them out mm-hmm. on oh, an error that you think they just made in, in front, front of, of everyone. every other student. Yeah. So. And that's like just general. It but, is, but there are but, some homeschool settings I think where we actually encourage. That. Oh, sure. Go yeah. ahead and push back. Go yeah. ahead. This is a safe space. Yeah. yeah. Typically, a college cl- classroom is not a safe mm-hmm. space for oh, that. Yeah. I had, in, yeah. in grad school, I had one college teacher who said, I want you to challenge, I want to debate mm-hmm. in class, but usually they just needed to cover the material that was assigned to them, mm-hmm. and that's what the office hours were for, whereas for adding the, the richness, yeah. and that's just the way it goes. So if the college teacher invites a debate and a challenge, you do that's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. If, if they're giving lectures, ask the questions at the end, mm-hmm. when things quiet down, or they say, are there any questions? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Right. And, and those questions that Vicki mentioned earlier, like, you know, listening to the lecture, writing down the questions, that's another great use of going to the teacher for office hours. Yeah. And that's a great way, like we're used to, our students are used to in the homeschool setting, even in a large co-op, you typically have more of a relationship with mm-hmm. the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you may if have had sleepovers at their house. Exactly. Because their kid is your best friend. You <laughs> right. Know? You might even call their, their mom some special name or something. Um, but you... Uh, you can create a an appropriate relationship with mm-hmm. a teacher in in a college class by going to their office hours, bringing yeah. those questions, mm-hmm. bringing those challenges, whatever. And for some mm-hmm. kids, that's really important. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not important for the student, it can be really important for the teacher, especially mm-hmm. if it's a large class. Then they get to know who you are. My sister, who is a associate provost at a state college, was a college professor for a number of years, and she said office hours were so boring. They would be sitting at their desk grading papers or playing solitaire, waiting for someone mm-hmm. to come. So those kids who mm-hmm. actually came to office hours and found some kind of question to ask uh, were the ones that got the mysterious subjective points, the mm-hmm. ones that if they were between an A and a B or B and a C, just mysteriously drifted upwards because the teacher knew that that was a participation point above and beyond. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah funny. Um, this is quirky and unusual for professors, although there are probably some that do it, but I, I'm a professor's kid, and my dad was a <laughs> classics professor at the University of Delaware, and um, when I was growing up for years, Wednesday afternoon was open house, and from four to six, so cool. or three to five, Okay, I can't remember. It's probably three to five. But um, our house was very near campus. Mm -hmm. And every semester, my dad made an announcement that all students were welcome to just stop by and there would be snacks Mm -hmm. and drinks. And it was just a chance to either talk about class or just talk. Yeah. And just get to know one another. And we, almost every semester, there was some student who came once early Mm -hmm. in the semester, never came back, didn't even seem to engage very much. But my dad would talk about a student who came even one time, it communicated something to him, mm. that this was a student who was truly invested in their college education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know about their professors and mm-hmm. why they were the way they were and what mm-hmm. their goals were. And all. It's, it is a really important sign to your professor, too, that please take me seriously if I come to you for help or if mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to do something that's maybe not the normal way. You've, you've laid a groundwork for 
mutual respect when you have reached out that way. Mm -hmm. So high schoolers really need to know if they are taking college classes, they want to function as a college student. Right. Yeah. It's a privilege to be there. If you are not a college student yet and you're in a college, yes, Mm -hmm. it is common now. It is still a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that they are building reference letters Yes. And if you go take two or three years worth of college classes in high school and made no relationship with any teacher, never visited, never participated in class, you just wasted three years of college. Mm. Because a lot of what happens after college is the reference letters, That's is right. the open doors, is the networking. Oh, yeah. And so the kids really, really don't want to waste Mm -hmm. College costs money. Mm -hmm. And those open doors come out of those relationships. Amen. Amen. So building that relationship, even outside of office hours, is sitting in the front two rows of class. Oh, yes. Front row geeks. Yes. FRGs. (laughs) (laughs) Wear it proudly. Wear it proudly. (laughs) Another cute teacher. Is that a thing? That could be a teacher. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, it's a oh. thing. It's actually a thing at a, con- a bunch of conferences I go to. We, every, there's a whole group of people. I, my ADD is so strong. I want to be near some place where I can quietly get up and move around if I have to, so that I don't disturb anybody. So I am not an FRG. But yeah, my yeah. kids have followed your advice on yeah. that as well. It's the T zone. So the front two rows, but sometimes you can't get in that front two rows. Um, but if you go right down the middle Center. of the class, like a T. That, that also helps. So those are the kids statistically will get the best grades. Mm. It's probably also the easiest places to stay engaged because you're there, uh, you're looking at the teacher, you know yeah. the teacher can be looking and at you. And the teacher's in the middle of the room looking yeah. in that direction, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. is what that is. Also, to be the last student out of the classroom. Oh, yeah. So I, my professor friends say it pushes their buttons when oh. students are zippering and closing uh-huh. their backpacks while they're talking. Yep. That it just, those are the kids, they're not getting any subjective points. Mm-mm. But that kid who waits until the teacher is through, the class is through, there's no more discussion, and then closes their, their notebook. Yes. Or their, yeah. Those oh are my. the kids. Like they want, I mean, yeah. they want even a hundred kids. Mm. If the kid's the last one out of the room, closes that notebook after, you know, the, everything's all done, and then goes to office hours. Oh, yeah. 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 I, like, just, I just noticed yesterday yeah. at like two minutes before the end of class, I looked around because I was referring to something on a page in the book. And I looked around and I noticed half of the books had already been put away. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hmm. And I noticed who, yeah. whose books were still open. So your daughter, Kendall, used to say, because I would tell the oh, kids yeah. this. And uh, yep. she said, you're, she you're teaching us how to brown those. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but knowing why you're doing it. Yes. It's, yes. it's, it's not. a respect-based exactly. relationship right. that you are forming with someone. It's saying, I am paying attention to what you are doing here. Mm-hmm. And I am laying the groundwork that if I need you to pay me, pay attention to me in an extra way, mm-hmm. if I am very sick or have a family emergency and a paper is going to be late and I contact you, I want you to think maybe you would give me the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. you've seen that I really care about this class. Yeah. And you'll even know who I am. Yeah. Like my name and my face. Yeah. That's yeah. huge too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not, it's not a phony thing, um, but Genuine. there are certain hoops that you jump through mm-hmm. to build that kind of success in a group setting. So a lot of the stuff that we were talking about here for college classrooms on a slightly less formal level works great in any kind of class setting. And we didn't really 
Hint, we started by saying we're talking about the introverts first, but we ended up conversely talking about extrovert behavior yeah. Yeah. with each point, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, we're also getting kind of long, and I want to make sure that we're not making too long an episode. So right. this is probably a pretty good place to wrap it up. Sounds yeah. good. We Absolutely. never run out of things to talk about. That's never. right. And we want to be respectful of your time as our, our, uh, yes. our seven sisters. Yeah. All right. So there you go. We hope that your kids are taking... Um, Various kinds of opportunities to be in group settings because it is always important to be gathered with others. It is super duper important when you are a teenager. That's um, so important for for forming the life skills that you're going to need after graduation. In addition to the fact that there are a lot of high school academic subjects that simply work better when they're mm-hmm. studied in a group setting. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, literature is wonderful when you read it by yourself. The truth is you're only bringing yourself to that story. Mm. And when you discuss literature in a group, you find your jaw dropping, going, wow, I never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. That's such mm-hmm. an interesting perspective. Those mm-hmm. kinds of things, they really add to the academic mm-hmm. richness as well. So consider uh, choosing wisely and putting some group learning activities into your teen's high school experience as a homeschooler. And we thank you for joining us and look forward to being in a group with you again, <laughs> chatting about homeschool high school topics in the future. When advertisement. Oh, wait, Vicki was raising her hand. I was raising her hand. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, our friends who want to listen to the Seven Sisters Homeschool.com. Oh, right. Posts, yeah, the like, blog posts. Oh, if yeah. you're busy and you're washing dishes, mm-hmm. Alexa will now read sevensistershomeschool.com posts to you. Yep. Wow. You can say, That's "I awesome. do this at my house," because Vicky will write a post, and you know, I want to know what she says because I think she knows lots of stuff about homeschooling. And so I will say, as I'm putting on my mascara, Alexa, open Seven Sisters Homeschool blog, and she'll say, "Would you like me to read the most recent blog post?" And I say, yes. And then she reads to me. It's so cool. Alexa's pretty smart. She's pretty smart. Yeah. She was probably a homeschooler. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What better finish could we have for an episode than that? That was just profound. That's why I'm here. There we go. So with that, we are going to send you on to the rest of the wonderful things in your day. And we will see you next time on the Homeschool High School podcast from sevensistershomeschool.com. Brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 